title of my message tonight is Blessed Giving. I'm going to read three places in the scripture, beginning with uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and then following that I will go to uh, Philippians chapter 4. You might want to just kind of put a little marker in your Bible so you can flip easily to that when I go to Philippians. And the last scripture I'll talk about will be Galatians chapter 6, and that will be verses 7 and 8. So... Blessed giving. Is it possible to give that isn't, to, to practice giving that isn't blessed? I think it is. I like one thing I've heard in these last uh, few sentences. I like many things, but I like one particular thing I heard. In the kingdom of God and the service of God, and as the service of God, we do not give to get. Our real goal is to get so that we can give. I believe that's God's desire for us, and it's God's desire that we understand that, and that that be what we practice. So now, the Apostle Paul says a lot about giving in his writings in the New Testament. He never specifically names the tithes, but he talks about giving under grace. I want to just add into the fact that the tithe is not an institution of the law. The tithe didn't come about because God gave the law and then the law required people to tithe. The tithing principle and practice was already in effect before the law was ever given. Abraham started the practice of of the tithe when he gave after his victory over the kings and the spoils. He was coming back with them. In the early part of Genesis, he met the king of Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the king of peace. Many people who believe that Melchizedek is the most, uh, the the type most like Christ in all the scriptures, and he is, or it was the first revelation of Jesus Christ himself. Uh, In any event, Abraham, prompted by the Spirit of God, spoken to by the Lord as to what to do, obeyed and gave a tenth of all the spoils, all the increase, he gave a tenth of that to Melchizedek. Without encumbrance, without conditions, he just gave it as unto the Lord. And so then the principle of the tithe started. Jacob practiced it. Isaac practiced it. And it was practiced throughout the Old Testament. And then when the law came along, it was uh, added to. A lot of changes were made. God does not require us to keep uh, the practice of the tithe as it was under the law in the Old Testament. Because you would have a hard time keeping up with that. And so would I. That's not grace. But the law is not the origination of the tithe. The tithe came about apart from the law, without the law, and at the direction of the Spirit of God, first to Abraham and then to others. So that being said, now in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul teaches generous and faithful giving. And he says a lot about giving that uh, hasn't been maybe presented quite as much as, uh, as it should be. Perhaps we haven't done that as much as we should right here. When you see how much the Apostle Paul says about giving, you know that we ought to really give it some attention. Same thing about Jesus. Jesus said more about money than he did about heaven or hell. 
That's because it is such a vital ingredient of our lives. It has to be a part of us that surrendered to God. When I grew up as an early Christian in a, uh, a, a, a Pentecostal church, I was not taught about giving. And it caused me a struggle in the early part of my life dealing with giving. So finally God got hold of me and, and showed me and helped me to see it in the Scripture and understand it for myself as the Holy Spirit showed me. And since that time, I haven't had a problem giving. That's been many years. But it was sad that the church that I grew up in, they had had an, an elder of the church. I call him an elder, not an official office, but he was a, he was a, a leader of that church. He was already dead and gone to heaven by the time I became a part of that church. But his, his legacy remained because he taught people. I don't know how pastors let him get away with this, but he did. He taught people that the tithe was wrong, the tithe was out of date, that it, it, it was not, it was nothing to expect. He taught, he really actually taught against giving. That church struggled with it, and I didn't know it until sometime after I'd been there quite a while. And I was at work. I was just a, a young boy anyway, so it wouldn't have meant very much to me at that time. But as I've thought about it over the years, I've, I've dwelt on it quite a bit, and it has been a lot to me. I don't think that's true in that church now. They've probably overcome all of that. But, but sad that that wrong teaching lasted so long that it impeded the progress and the growth of that church. Now, let me read for you uh, from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to start at the first verse. Paul is talking to the Corinthians about a gift that they have promised that will be used to help the needy, poor saints in Jerusalem as the offering is taken and given to them and distributed among them. And so he's now, at this point in time, he's in Macedonia, but he's writing the letter back to uh, the Corinthians to tell them what he wants and what he expects when he comes to Corinth again. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that, Achaia has been ready since last year. So he's telling the people in Macedonia that the Corinthians have promised the gift for the saints in Jerusalem and that they should be following that same, the Macedonians should be following that same example and they'll come to Corinth at the time to receive that gift and transmit it on to the saints in Jerusalem. And he says that, uh, he goes on to say, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. The Macedonians are encouraged by why they hear about your giving. They want to join in and give. But, he says, I am sending the brothers, the brothers, to, he's sending them to Corinth, so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. I've been telling the Macedonians, you're going to be ready with your gift. It'll all be ready. We'll come and take it, take it to Jerusalem. And I don't want to be disappointed and let down. I'm sending the brothers over there to encourage you and let you know we're still coming, and we're still coming for the gift. So please be ready. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. We'd be overconfident if you're not ready, and we'd be telling them incorrectly. We want to make sure you are ready. That's why I'm sending the brothers to you. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers that I'm sending to you to go ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised 
so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. So it will be given willingly, not something we have to pull from you. We, they want to remind you of your promise. And you need to keep the promise that you have made, is what he's saying to the Corinthians. I don't know that they had a pledge for him and filled it out and called it a pledge or next step or anything like that. But I do know that they had made a promise to give, and Paul was holding them to the promise, as he should have. Now he goes on to say, he really gets into something important. That's all important, but this is extremely important. Verse 6, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Now he's giving them the benefit and the blessing of their giving. He says, this is the real point of what I'm sharing with you, Paul says to the Corinthians. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He's using now a metaphor that the people who sow and reap in the fields thoroughly understand. And all of us, whether we've ever been farmers or not, actually understand it too because it's so simple, so obvious, and so clear. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you will also reap bountifully. So if you want to reap a lot of corn, you better sow a lot of corn in the field. If you want to reap a lot of watermelons, you better sow good watermelon seed in good fertile soil. If you want to grow oranges, you don't plant apple trees. The only way you can get oranges is off of oranges. And if you want to have more oranges, you need to plant more than one tree. That's exactly the metaphor that he's using. We know not only that, we also know that the seed that is sown is what is produced. If you sow with grace and generosity and, and love to build the kingdom of God, that's what is reaped in return, and that's what comes back to the sower of the seed. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly, he says. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. And then he says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves one who gives with the joy of giving, not because he feels like he's required to do it, not because somebody's put him under guilt and he's doing it because he feels guilty about it. That's, that's not the production that brings the blessing. The blessing is produced when it is done in grace because we know that God has given everything to us and because there's bounty that we have, that we expect, not because we're giving to get, but because it will come. That's the promise of God. If you sow, you'll reap. So God is able to make all grace abound to you. Praise God. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. There's the blessing of the giving, of the sowing. That's the reaping. God is able to make all grace abound to you. 
so that having all sufficiency, having enough in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. The blessing of God pours upon us when we follow his plan, his pattern, and exactly what he has promised and told us to do. As it is written, he is distributed freely, he is given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. That's a testimony about people who give, taken from the Old Testament. And he goes on to say, He who supplies meat to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing. Think about that now. The God who supplies seed to the sower provides so that you can sow, gives to you so that you can give. Will multiple, will, 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 let me start over. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now, that is a powerful promise. He will increase the harvest of your righteousness, will grow in abundance as you sow into that field that God has put before us with opportunity for, to receive blessing, to receive the blessing of giving. And then he says, you will be enriched in every way. Listen to this now. I'm reading his word. You will be enriched in every way to be generous, which in every way to be generous in every way. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Now, it's going to come through us. We're going to come and take the gift. We're going to deliver it. But it will produce thanksgiving to God. You'll be thankful to give God the glory and the praise because he's enabled you to give. The joy of it is there. You will be enriched in every way. Well, that's powerful. To be generous in every way. Glory to God. And then he goes on to say, for the ministry of this service, this gift we're taking and that we're delivering, to be helpful, to be a blessing to the, our needy brothers and sisters in this family of God. The ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. Thanksgiving to God. Thank God we have enough to give. Thank God we're privileged to give. You know, the quotation is in the book of Acts. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Think about what the preacher was trying to teach a little boy about giving. He told him that. He said, don't forget, it's more blessed to give than receive. He says, all right, preacher, receive is good enough for me. A lot of us might think that way, but that's not the way to think. It, it, isn't it really, truly more blessed to give than receive? Wouldn't you rather have the, the, the blessed, the benefit abundance to be able and willing to give than to be lacking and have to receive the gift. That's a simple interpretation of it, but that's really what it is. God's blessed us. Oh, how he's blessed us. By their approval of this service, what we're doing now, taking this gift to the saints, by their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. The generosity of your contribution will be the blessing. 
while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. The saints in Jerusalem, when this gift is received, will be praising God for the surpassing grace of God that is upon you. And as Paul so often does, he puts something else in there. That's a, that's a, that's a powerful statement. The last part of this chapter is, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. King James says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. That gift is Jesus. And Paul is saying, Father, God has given all to us. He gave us the greatest gift that could ever be given. He's followed up that with all of the other gifts of his blessing and favor. But he gave us the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ's Son, our Savior, to deliver us from sin and fill us with grace, give us the privilege and the opportunity of living in his heaven forever. That's a wonderful thing. To, so you see Paul is putting the spiritual side to all of this. So giving... To the, and this was specifically to the needs of the saints. It includes all giving that we give for the glory of God. And, and according to his teaching and by his word, it includes all. We're abundantly blessed, full of grace, the power of God, the great supply of God. We're abundantly blessed for our giving. There's nothing about the law in this. He doesn't even refer to anything that could be related to the law. He says this is a New Testament principle. This is, his, this is a part of Paul's revelation of the gospel. And the revelation that God gave the apostle Paul about the gospel is the very heart of what we understand the gospel to be. The things that he wrote in this New Testament, the revelation of the word of God, are, are, are powerful in every way. So that is, uh, that's the 15 verses of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, I want to go on over, as I said I would, to Ephesians. Well, no, I didn't say Ephesians. I said I'd go to Philippians, didn't I? Okay, uh, you're right. You're right. <laughs> so in Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 4, this is, again, Paul writing to the church at Philippi now. And let's look at the context and what he says. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now I'm going to jump on down to, uh, to verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. So I'm on the missionary tour. I'm not with you. I'm writing to the church at Philippi, and you have revived your concern for me. I'm rejoicing in it. I'm overjoyed. That's a wonderful thing. You were indeed concerned for me. But you had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking of being in need, I'm sorry, not that I knew that it makes sense, not that I'm speaking of being in need, where I have learned in whatever situation I'm in to be content. 
I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in every, in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and danger and abundance and need. So Paul's saying, I have needs, and you've revived your interest and your concern for me, and you're helping me with those needs. But that has never been my concern. I've learned whatever I have to be content with that as God's provision. Because God always looks after me and takes care of me. But thank you. I'm glad that you have returned your interest to my ministry, to my preaching, to my traveling, to my reaching the Gentiles. I'm glad that you joined in with him. Thank you for that. He says, and, and it's in this context that he makes a statement that we all know so very well. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So Paul's come to the place that he recognizes if, if he has little or much, he still has the Christ who strengthens him and, and in every way enables him to do what God has called him to do. And then he goes on, still now talking to the Philippians about their relationship. He says, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I first was preaching in the ministry of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. You were the only ones who gave to me in the beginning of this ministry as I traveled to spread the gospel. Even in, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. This is important now what he says next. See, very important that nobody misinterprets your motives or nobody misinterpret my motives or when anybody's teaching about giving, that their motives never be misinterpreted. There may be people who do this for, for wrong motives, but you've got to give people the benefit of, uh, of the right motive. And, and here's the right motive. The Apostle Paul said, it's not that I seek the gift. I'm not seeking what you're going to send me or what you have sent me. What you, that's not what this is all about. It's not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I'm taking. The, I'm asking for these offerings, and I'm receiving this offering because that is a blessing to you. The blessing is in the giving. The blessing is not receiving, though we certainly will receive in so many different ways, as he said to the Corinthians. And we will receive in many ways, in abundant ways. God will look after us. He'll take care of us. He'll put his hand on us. We'll know his blessings. But that's not the purpose of the giving. The giving is to be obedient and to be faithful and to be generous as God is generous. I've said so many times in this very church, if you want to be like God, you're going to have to be a giver because God's a giver. How rarely do we go to him and say, Lord, what can I give you? Most of the time, isn't it true? Most of the time we say, Lord, I need you to give me this. But God honors that when we are in that faithful position of his faithful service. I love this expression of the Apostle Paul. He says to everybody, I am not seeking your gift when I talk to you about giving. I am seeking the blessing for you that comes from spiritual giving. He said, I've received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And now he says something that doesn't apply to everybody. A lot of people try to claim this, not entitled to it. 
And he's talking now to he's talking now to the people at Philippi and the Philippian church who gave to him, who were supporting him, who were giving. And he said, "This is this is abounding to your credit. The fruit out of this giving." comes to you. That's what I'm seeking. and That's why I'm talking to you about it. And then he says to the Philippians who are giving and supporting, standing with him, he says, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And you can't just walk out and take that promise. And no matter who and no matter what, somebody happens to come in and say, yeah, well, I read in the scripture that my God is going to supply all my needs according to the riches in glory. And I just came into Sunday church this morning to see if I can get a hold of some of it. Yeah, there are people who think like that. I'm sure they do. But that's not the way it works, friend. He's talking to these people who are giving, building the kingdom of God through his ministry. And he says, I promise you, I promise you, Philippians, God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And why will he do that? Because you are supplying my needs in the service of God to preach the gospel and spread the word of God to the Gentiles and to the world. That's why God's going to supply your needs. Because you're giving to God to meet his needs, and God's going to supply every need for you. That's the context of what that verse means, and that is what it means. It doesn't mean anything else but that. That's what it means. To our God and Father, he goes on to say, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Paul always gives God the glory. Hallelujah. So now, let me uh, go on to Galatians chapter 6. This is... Back up a couple of epistles to Galatians and and the last chapter of Galatians chapter 6. Here here is a scripture that uh, has so often been used as a a judgment scripture. You know, people talk about people's sin and and their secret sins and things hidden away. They always use the scripture. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. But that's not the fullness of that scripture at all. Not, it, not the fullness of the of, it, of his, his purpose here in Galatians, not the fullness of Paul writing it, not the whole reason for it all. He says, just the prior verse says, Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. If you're receiving ministry, then bless the one who brings that ministry to you. And do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, if he sows to the Spirit, if he sows generosity, if he sows to grace, he's going to reap what he sows. If he sows to the flesh and to sin, he'll reap that too. That's also a product of it. Whatever he sows, that he's also going to reap. Same, go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Whatever you sow and I sow, that's what we're going to reap. And it doesn't mean if we sow dollars, we're going to sow dollars. It means if we sow generosity. And in the grace of God, cheerfully we give to God to build his work, to spread his kingdom. We're not giving this to build up a person. We're giving to build up the kingdom of God and to reach people for Jesus Christ. When we sow to the Spirit, he says, 
We will of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Praise God. Whatsoever man sows that we also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Praise God. Whatever one sows, that's what he's going to reap. It's good that we know that. We know where to put we know where to plant our seed. We know where to sow our seed. It's good that Paul told us that. And let us not grow weary. This is a scripture I've used so much. You've heard me say it recently. I've preached on it a couple of times. Let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season, we will reap. If we've been sowing to the Spirit, we'll reap up a Spirit. We'll reap life everlasting and the benefits and the glories of God forever. If we sow to our own flesh, we'll reap corruption. But in due season, we will reap, and we will be reapers of God's, in God's kingdom and victors in God's kingdom if we sow and if we do not give up, but we continue to pursue and press on, we will reap in that proper season if we do not give up. He concludes that paragraph of the Scripture by saying, So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those that are of the household of faith. I believe there's an intent there. Do good to everyone. But when you come to the family of the household of faith, that's your family. And there you want to always do good. You want to always do good. You know, in the in the wholeness of the life of, of, of living for Jesus. This is, this is one thing, one aspect, one part of it that I've been talking about this evening. But it is it's an essential ingredient. It's like, it's like breath to the child of God. It's like air to the child of God. It's, it, it, it's, it's a part. It has to be a, in a part of our, today's terminology, it has to be a part of our DNA, a part of our Christian DNA, built into our character into our relationship with God, that God knows when someone has a need, he can lay it on your heart or mine because we hear God about this and can lay it on our heart to help that brother, help that sister, do something that the work of God needs. It's not that God has to have you or me to do it. He gives us the privilege and the opportunity of fulfilling that calling and stepping up and doing what he wants done. He's got a lot of, he's got a lot of other people he can ask about it if we say no. Amen? And, 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 and I would rather when he asks me to go ahead and do it before he goes and finds somebody else that's more willing than I am. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those of the household of faith. You know, our church is a, is a, a, is a generous church. We, we help people. We help people. We do a lot of a lot of good things. We've given people cars and got a big old fancy mattress topper right now we want to give to somebody. Not a bad thing, it's just you know everything doesn't fit everybody, so, so. and 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 finances. We've helped with finances. We've paid electric bills and we paid rent and and uh, and then we've never begrudged it. No, never progressed. Not the first time. Even when people don't act appreciative for it, we've never progressed. 
sometimes we've just forgotten that we did it. Somebody come back and remind us of it. So, but but it, it, it is, I will confess, it honestly still does kind of cause me to stop and think. You give somebody a car and they drive it to go everywhere we went to church, you know. <laughs> or things like that, you know. Help them buy, help them get the registration. You didn't cost something to bring a car from another place and get it registered in Florida and get it so you could drive it legally here. The fact of not paying a personal income tax in Florida has got other consequences that go along with it. You come from out of state and you get to put a car here. You might have to wait a while to raise that. I don't know what it is now, four or $500 maybe, to be able to switch everything over to Florida registration. I mean, the first time I ever moved to Florida, I had to park my car with the back end of my license plate up against the building until I could raise the money to get it transferred over. But we gave people, we gave people funds to do that with and to go out and do it. And, and uh, But I'm just glad we did whatever they did about it or whatever they did as a result of it. That, that, that they did what they were supposed to do or didn't do or kept coming to church or whatever it might be. It, I, it, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to let what somebody else does with the gift take away my blessing for giving the gift. I'm not going to do it. Now, I will admit to you, I struggle with it sometimes, and I have to keep reminding myself, and I say to the Lord, help me feel right about this, Lord, because I want to feel right about it. If I didn't want to, I wouldn't pray about it, and God wouldn't help me to either. But I want to, and so therefore I'm able to. So giving, the, it, it is a greater blessing to give even than it is to receive. Now, I say that fully conscious that I've received a lot of good things and I've appreciated all of it. But I just pray every time something like that happens for the person that gave it, that they'll be greatly blessed for doing it, even more greatly blessed than I have been by receiving it. So, Luke chapter 6. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good, pre- good measure, pressed down and shaking together, shaking together and running over, shall men, men give into your bosom. God will cause people to give things. Again, not, not, not just about money, because all that we receive that blesses us is not necessarily money. We receive abundant things that bless us that don't have a price tag on them. But God wants us to be givers. He wants to be, us to be generous givers. He wants us to be cheerful givers. And he wants us to give sacrificially. I say, and, and I always struggle over that word sacrificially because even if we're giving in a way that may seem beyond our needs, perhaps we should look at it as sacrificial giving. Just look at it as willing giving. I'm willing to give what God puts it on my heart to give and to whomever God puts it on my heart to give. So this is my little, uh, my little discussion, sermonette, <laughs> treatise of uh, something about giving. And... Uh, I think, I'm going to say this, I say this seriously. I I said, having thought about it quite a bit, and uh, 
especially as I've gone in myself in recent times. And I, every time I read something about giving and, and what the Scripture says, I'm reading something I already know. I, 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 don't, I haven't found anything new about it. When I heard about the message of the principle of first fruits, I saw that a little bit differently. But, but even that, you know, I, 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 when I read about giving in the Scriptures, I hear I, I don't ever hear anything I don't already know. I don't say that to be boastful. I'm just saying I know about it. And I feel, and I've felt there several, several times, I've, I've sat alone in the presence of God, and, and, I've, and I've thought and I've wondered and I've asked the Lord, have I failed, have I failed this congregation? this First Assembly congregation, by not teaching enough about money, by not teaching enough about giving, about being generous. I know that I lead this church to be a generous church. I don't always come to you and ask for a vote. Are you willing to give somebody $1,000 or whatever it may be? But this past, this past uh, Saturday morning, Terry Guthrie came to me and said, let's take the money that came in for men's fellowship and give people a chance to add to it and give more to it, and let's give it to our brother whose wife just died. I thought, I said, that's a great idea. I'll talk to the women and ask them if they'll match what we give. And I did. Sunday morning I talked to the leader of the women's ministry, and I said, well, I don't even know how much it is. I'm thinking it's maybe $250, $300, maybe, maybe a little more. But would you willing for us, be willing for us to take that much out of the ministry? women's ministry, and add to that and give that along with what the men are giving. Oh, sure, she said. I just happen to be looking at our friends. Like, we, got, we can do that. No problem. Just go ahead and do that, Pastor. Great. Okay, we will. And so then we had about $500. So we sent for you, for your church, because we know that you're full of compassion and love, because we know like the Corinthians wanted to help the saints at Jerusalem. The saints at First Assembly want to help the other saints that are in need. So we sent our brother $1,000. Amen. Amen. Not from anybody, not from any person, but from this congregation, this church. As a church that loves our people and loves other people and wants to be generous according to the Word of God and as the Spirit of God leads us to be. So keep reading about it. Let God touch our hearts and, and, and bring us into, into, into closer definition of the place he wants us to be that we can, that, I, that all, all about us will be generous. Because the more generous we are, the more we become like the nature of God. And Christ was a giver. Father God is a giver. And he wants us to be givers as well. For his glory. By according to his word, he wants us to do that. And I know we want to do what God wants us to do. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Stand with me, please. Praise the Lord.